NXT presents TakeOver in your house. Let's talk about it. What's going on everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pals, Mass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check In. We are here to talk about this coming Sunday. We are here to talk about NXT TakeOver in your house, as I just said in the intro. Not to be repetitive, if you're finding me on a podcast form, you want to find me on YouTube, look me up on uh, on YouTube at Spaz Phoenix. If you're looking at me right now, I'm wondering why the hat isn't there. We're going to get to that in a second. Uh, but you want to find me in a podcast form, go on all your podcasting platforms, etc. Put in Spaz Phoenix Podcast. Find me on Twitter at Spaz Phoenix One, Instagram at Spaz Phoenix, or find the Spaz Phoenix uh, Podcast Facebook group on Facebook. Obviously, now why am I not? It's right here. It hasn't gone anywhere. For those of you in an audio uh, platform, this is going to be really, really shit for a second. But I'm going to get all metaphorical and sappy with you guys again for a second because that seems to be the theme of the week. This is the gimmick hat. This is the hat that I have been wearing. This is the hat that I actually got from the Taz show, back when the Taz show was a thing, gimmick clubhouse and all that sort of thing. And it has been my hat on this channel because I like it and it works and it's a wrestling thing that I can do here. And it's It, it sort of became a thing when I was doing the live streams with Guapo and Christian and then it just sort of became the thing and right now because I got the COVID hair and all that sort of thing, it's it's definitely a mandatory thing. It's a it's an essential thing, is it not? But why am I not wearing the gimmick hat tonight? And and this is just me going off on a ramble, so don't take this too seriously. This hoodie, I like this hoodie. I got this hoodie in the same WWE shop order as I got the flag you guys see flying behind me. Why? Because I like NXT and I'm a nerd and most of the wrestling I talk about on this channel is NXT. If I was to turn around, I'm lazy and I'm not going to get up. This has the NXT logo with, I think, the first 25 TakeOver logos within the NXT logo. I thought it was a neat little idea. I got the flag for myself. I think I got the flag and this for myself shortly after Christmas when the world was very, very different. I put the flag up immediately because I like it. I think it looks badass. Skulls are cool and all that sort of thing. And I didn't wear the hoodie at all because I didn't have anywhere to wear it at the time because, you know, winter, you know, winter jackets and all that sort of thing. And in the summer, I'm a big dude, as most of you guys know. I don't deal with the heat well. So... But I got those two things for myself uh, right after Christmas. Right after Christmas is the time where you're supposed to be thinking about everybody else, you know, get everybody their Christmas presents, go see the family, etc. And then afterwards, you know, there's Boxing Day sales, there's, you know, we're getting back into it. January's kind of shitty because everybody's poor. Um, went on WWE Shop and I thought I'd just treat myself a little bit. And when you're done the holiday season, done treating everybody else, you want to treat yourself just a little bit. And... Is there anything more? Is there anything more that we all need right now, which is very removed from back then, as a little treat here or there just to do something nice for yourself? So, while I got this, and I haven't had a chance to wear it because where the fuck am I going to go because of COVID, etc., I'm throwing on the hoodie tonight because it feels good. And, I, you know, it's, it's that whole, you know, you don't need a birthday to buy yourself a cake. I don't need an outing put on the hoodie because it's a nice little thing in a, in a time where we don't have very many nice little things and that's kind of how I see this show on Sunday. Hell of a ramble. I know it doesn't really matter if you're listening in an audio platform. I do apologize. Just picture me except I don't have a hat on. I have a hoodie on and that's how the metaphor works. This show, this show in a lot of ways is not going to be anything like a takeover but it is going to be close enough to a takeover that hopefully for a couple hours on Sunday we can forget that the world sucks. And I'm going to take this off now because it is incredibly warm in here. Even though I'm inside in the air conditioning and the terrible COVID hair has reared its ugly head, pun intended, there goes the gimmick hat and we're back to the races. Um, so I am going to talk about it. I did. Uh, I was hoping to have Jake DeMarco on here. Uh, unfortunately, shout out to Jake DeMarco. He's still dealing with the... Uh, 
the medical issues that he's dealing with. So uh, go uh, go on Twitter, hit up Countdown Ended, tell him uh, we're all we're all sending him our love here from this channel. Uh, thought at one point that Okay Fabe was going to be able to pinch hit for Jake. Unfortunately, Connor's got uh, got family stuff tonight, so I'm going to try and do this solo, which means I'm going to ramble because I don't have very many notes other than literally a list right here of what the matches are. I've tried to throw in some other random topics that we can talk about before we get into the actual matches because the takeover, as we know, is a lot smaller than a WWE show. Now, what do we need to tackle first? We need to tackle the fact that they are bringing back the concept of in your house. Now, conveniently enough, Backlash is coming up next weekend. Now, Backlash is a B pay-per-view. You know, um, Elimination Chamber is a B pay-per-view. You know, No Way Out is a B pay-per-view. Great Balls of Fire was a B pay-per-view. And way, 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 way back when, the B pay-per-views were called in your houses, which brings me to an interesting point and what we could have here. NXT has developed a brand with the term takeover that it's it's the pinnacle of what WWE, what the best brand of WWE can produce on a night. Even when it was back on the WWE Network and it was a one hour show and, and although I don't personally agree, a lot of other people were of the opinion that you could miss the one hour show, you could catch maybe the go home show before the big pay-per-view, or not pay-per-view, network special, I guess, and you could just catch it on the night because that was probably, unless you were waiting for AEW or New Japan or you were still watching Impact for God knows what reason or you were an ROH fan, TakeOver, attached to the big four WWE pay-per-views, was your, your pinnacle of wrestling. It was a little edgier. It was not quite so PG. It was a lot of people that you really already liked if you were in the indies. Um, TakeOver has a pristine level of expectation attached to it because NXT developed that, uh, that pristine level of expectation attached to it. Now, what that means for them is that every pay-per-view, every TakeOver that they did had, in, in NXT terms, had to be a WrestleMania. Now, that's awesome in one sense, because you know you're in for a good show, and it's going to be the prime of what the black and gold brand can produce. I do think, however, that if they sort of... If they're going to do more than those four shows a year, the one attached to Rumble, the one attached to Survivor Series, the one attached to SummerSlam, and the one attached to WrestleMania, if we're going to do more... And if they're going to be on their own weekends, like Portland was, um, you know, not like the one that we lost at WrestleMania, but like this one is this weekend, and they can create a B pay-per-view status within NXT, I'm not giving I'm not giving them carte blanche. I'm not giving them an excuse to give us a less than great show. That's not what I'm doing. But if they can create a B level of pay-per-view, and we know what we're getting, and it's a little looser, and it's not. It's not Daniel Bryan, CM Punk headlining every show. If if that's your if that's your cup of tea, it's not, you know, The Rock versus John Cena. It's not the big bombast. It's not the super technical five star classic in the Tokyo Dome. But you just you get some good shit and you get some some fun shit. Um, I do think it would add variety to to NXT's presentation because NXT a lot of people will say has one speed they, a lot of people say that NXT doesn't have any fun which isn't true but it does have one speed everything is awesome all the time or at least they try to tell you that it is and I don't think that works I think just like you need breather matches on a card you need breather pay-per-views throughout the year I really do think that um, Elimination Chamber is a nice neat individual unique uh, sort of a stopgap between the Royal Rumble, which obviously takes us to WrestleMania, and then you've got something else in the mix as well, and, and I think it's Fastlane, and it's fine. But you can have long, long, long running stories like, say, Ciampa Gargano, but you can have a big moment where one of them goes and tries to achieve something else at a pay-per-view, and maybe, yeah, maybe it's a screwy finish, and it gets you to the next big one, because you can go to that next big one with you cost me this big moment on a pay-per-view, but it doesn't cost you one of the only four big pay-per-views you have of the year. You can give a platform without giving up 
one of your big platforms, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know if that's what they're doing. I don't know if they're just doing this as a nostalgia thing for one night. I think if they go the route of creating some, creating their own version of a B paper, not like main roster. Main roster, you look at some of the B pay-per-views and it's just like, eh. But you look at a lot of things they do on the main roster, full stop, and you kind of go, eh. So I don't think they necessarily need to follow the WWE um, motto in that regard, but I do think some sort of almost house show-esque pay-per-views. Imagine the Saudi Arabia shows if they didn't have the political stain of being in Saudi Arabia and all the mucky background of that. Because you go to the Saudi Arabia shows if you're able to ignore where it is, and there's some ridiculous random fun shit. I think NXT of any brand of AEW, Raw, SmackDown, I haven't watched Impact in a while, that's fine. NXT, NXT UK, 205 Live, etc. I think if any brand can get away with giving you a B pay-per-view that still feels like an A-plus night, I, I think they do really need to to look into that as an option. And that's that's it. I don't think that's what they're doing, to be quite honest. I think they are just chipping away at the nostalgia thing, but they may accidentally themselves into a really golden idea. Now, speaking of what's going on in NXT in general, we are losing bodies to the main roster. And I say that in tight air quotes for those of you that are listening in podcast form. Uh, we know we're losing Riddle to SmackDown, and the rumors, the rumors abound that Dijak is going to Raw, which is fine. R Riddle going to SmackDown is going to reinforce SmackDown as the wrestling show. You've got Cesaro there, you've got Daniel Bryan there, Drew Gulak there, AJ Styles there, throw Matt Riddle into the mix. Uh, and the only thing that really seems out of place is that their current champion is Braun Strowman, which is, which is weird. Uh, I think that fits. Dijak going to Raw is a little bit different. He's he's a big, tall dude that does some weird shit. I do think, uh, for those of you that have been watching on a weekly basis and know that I don't really give a shit about uh, Dominic Dijakovic, A, I'm going to be relieved that he's not on the show that I'm reviewing anymore, or B, he could have the resurgence that he didn't have on NXT. We have seen people like Braun Strowman, like Baron Corbin, like Alexa Bliss, uh, like Nikki Cross, to a certain degree, who really weren't given very much in NXT and became more superstars than wrestlers, and it does, in fact, work. So if he's going to Raw, that's cool, too. Velveteen Dream is going to the main roster, or so the rumors say. They're going to ruin him, aren't they? They're either going to make him a cartoon, or they're going to try and make him the new gold dust, and in PC 2020, that's just not going to work. Io Shirai... Sorry, I'll go the other way around. Chelsea Green dumped uh, Robert Stonebrand, and he's already pursuing Aaliyah, and he's a loser, and she's a loser, so they're going to go be losers together. Chelsea Green is apparently going to the main roster. I don't know where I'd stick her, if I'm completely honest with you. Um, probably Raw? I don't know. Chelsea Green can have like a little mini... Actually, no. SmackDown, because the other one is Io Shirai, and Io Shirai, if she is going to the main roster, which really does impact my predictions for Sunday night, uh, I would put her on Raw, because here's what you do. You either make the Kabuki Warriors a three-woman stable, and they wreck everybody, or Io Shirai takes on Kairi Sane, or Io Shirai takes on Asuka, and you get a couple of rounds of Shirai versus Asuka for that Raw Women's Championship, then... Becky Lynch comes back in a year, she goes off and has the little Rollins baby, and it's fine, and then you get Becky Lynch versus Io Shirai for her championship when she gets back. There's all kinds of fun stuff that could happen there. Um, it'll be a, It's a bummer to lose Riddle. It is a bummer to lose Shirai. Chelsea Green is a body that's there, and she can be a body on any brand. Dijak can only go up, in, in, in my opinion. And Velveteen Dream, I find really, really, really hard to get into. A, because of the match we're going to talk about tonight, and B, because he might have been really, really shady, and there might have been a reason that I was calling him the problematic dream not too long ago. Uh, the last thing I am going to say as we're talking about a pay-per-view, we have to talk about, in comparison, the other side of the Wednesday Night War, 
uh, AEW announced their Fighter Fest pay-per-view will not be happening as a pay-per-view. It will be happening over the course of, I think, July 1st and July 8th, respectively. Those are Wednesday nights. They're going to spread their pay-per-view out over two Wednesday nights. And why are they doing that? My personal opinion, and I could be wrong, apparently this was supposed to be over in the UK. So for that part of it, for the fact that COVID has, has cancelled their ability to go to the UK and give the UK a show, that genuinely sucks. That genuinely sucks for the company, that genuinely sucks for the UK fans, that's terrible. But the fact that they are choosing to do this over two nights of weekly TV really does feel like a ploy to beat NXT, which, as much as I hate to admit it, they're already beating NXT, so that that seems... It seems a bit out of place, if, if you want my honest opinion. We know what happened with the TakeOver that was supposed to happen WrestleMania weekend, and then they just spread the matches out over the individual weeks, and and that didn't work either. What did they do? They put the TakeOver Tampa logo in the background during the episode of regular weekly NXT, and it, and it took the piss, didn't it? That was when we had no crowds. That was when we had empty arenas. That was, you know, it was this and that and the next thing. Now, AEW has the advantage, advantage, of having a, a venue like Daly's Place, which is a little more flexible. They can do put, a, as I've said a lot of times, they can put a lot more pomp and circumstance and, and pyro and visual effects, and they can have more crowd because it's a bigger building. They have everything working in their favor already for a Wednesday night show. So to put a pay-per-view on, on Wednesday to spite NXT, make no mistake, that's why they're doing it. Um, it just seems weird, and it's another opportunity for... Uh, for Cody to come out with that really, really, really ugly uh, TNT championship, and it's just, it's all kinds of bad. I don't, I don't get it. I, I would watch Fighter Fest as as a pay per view. Um, it looks like they're setting up some good matches for it to uh, to backpedal and to go with a move that everybody, including myself, criticized NXT for. Uh, I don't think that's the move at all, personally, and. Uh, on the, on the more scrupulous side of things, if they are doing it just to dig in the knife a little deeper on a Wednesday, um, what's going to happen next? Are we going to come a couple weeks or a couple months from now and uh, we're going to get a really special episode of Dynamite that's all out or something? I don't know. It's a slippery slope. Let's talk about the card. Now, B pay-per-view. B pay-per-view. I, st I started off by talking about that. And what do you get on a B pay-per-view? You get random pile of people matches, random six-man, eight-man, you know, gauntlet-type stuff on a B pay-per-view. Uh, you don't necessarily get that on a regular NXT TakeOver, because what's the NXT TakeOver formula? You get one match, one match for every championship, and then you get maybe one extra feature match. Now, there's two, there's two titles that should be defended on this show that aren't. They should have done the finals of the interim NXT Cruiserweight Championship Tournament, on this show, and they didn't. They did it last week. Maverick lost. Uh, Elio Del Fantasma uh, is your new interim cruiserweight champion, and Drake Maverick got his job back anyway, which people are upset about. I don't. I don't get it. Yes, everybody else lost lost their job, but you're upset that the guy that we thought lost his job kept his job. I don't. I don't get people sometimes. Now that should have been. That should have been here. I have said since NXT saved and adopted that championship from 205 Live Obscurity, it has to be on a pay-per-view and it cannot be on the pre-show to show Raw and SmackDown how they misused that title in particular. Especially when you had guys like Angel Garza and, uh, Angel Garza and, and Leo Rush and, and people of that ilk competing over the championship. It never should have been on a pre-show. It never should have been on a go-home show. It deserved to be on pay-per-view, especially now. Look at the gorgeous belt now. It doesn't look like a grapefruit roll-up anymore. Why is it not on the show? That's a bummer. Also, we established number one contenders for the Tag Team Championships in Brizango this past week, and that's not happening on the show either. That's a bummer. Uh, I will say, really great to see Brizango back. Brizango versus Imperium is sort of a perfect clash of personality styles. I would have loved to see that out. Now it's not a regular pay-per-view. I get it. It's going to be in front of the, uh, it's going to be in front of the trainees and whatnot. But I still would have loved to see that match with the illusion of it being on a pay-per-view stage. Now, are Breezango going to win? No, they're not. Imperium just got the belts. It's fine. And and Breezango, 
I don't know what they're going to do with Breezango, because eventually, I'd love to see those two guys split off, and maybe both of them enter the Cruiserweight division. Maybe you get Tyler Breeze versus Phantasma, or you get, uh, I don't know, heel Johnny Curtis versus Drake Maverick, or something like that. I really don't know. Um, but yeah, there's two NXT championships. Now, if you want to include the UK title, which was sort of a minor title on proper NXT as well, Walter is stuck on the other side of the planet, which is why we're not getting Walter Balor just yet. We'll talk about that later. But what we are getting, as I ramble around to it, is, a, is the type of match you don't typically get on a takeover. Again, reinforcing my idea that having an NXT B pay-per-view might be a good idea. And that is Yim, Knox, and Shotzi Blackheart versus Dakota. Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and, and newly heel Candice LeRae. Now, why do I love this? It's, it's a six-person tag. It really doesn't have much stakes. It doesn't have much weight. But what it does do is it gives you six women in, in the NXT roster, and, and they're, not all, they're not all on equal keel. I know a lot of people aren't high on Mia Yim. I'm not particularly high on Raquel Gonzalez, but she's going to stand back and be sort of the diesel of her team, and that's fine. But you've got six women in this match that could realistically maybe not compete for the championship against Charlotte, but could be a filler feud between her bigger feuds, and it wouldn't seem too out of place. Mia Yim has been in that picture. Tegan Knox hasn't quite been in that picture as much. I'd like to see her selfishly because I'm biased and I watched her on Destiny. There's your Spaz Phoenix bingo card for the night. Shotzi Blackheart versus anybody. Shotzi versus Io, Shotzi versus Ripley, Shotzi versus Charlotte would be awesome. Dakota Kai, uh, along with Candice LeRae, two of the better heel turns that WWE as a whole has done in the women's division in a long time. And Raquel Gonzalez, who right now with Dakota Kai does have that HBK diesel uh, type of thing. She's not going to be the focus. She's going to be the muscle on Dakota Kai, and Dakota Kai is really tiny, so when Raquel Gonzalez gets tired of her shit one day, she's going to chuck her halfway around the world. Um, they seem to be really high on Tegan Knox. I, I, we're getting a decent push for Shotzi, which makes me smile, and Mia Yim is tied to another story that we're going to talk about later on in the evening, and her guy happens to be a champion at the moment. Not that that should matter, but it does. The faces are going to win this. The faces are going to win this, and there's going to be a beatdown by the heels after the fact. Candice LeRae is going to do is going to do some cheesy weirdness. Kai and Gonzalez may or may not have some. Uh, heel discrepancy with her because they are the tag team, she's the third wheel, whereas Yim, Knox, and Shotzi are just bound together by the fact that they want all these other three to fuck off, which is fine. It's wonderful. I'm predicting Mia Yim, Tegan Knox, and Shotzi Blackheart, and yes, my bias does pay a huge part in that. I'm going to get Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream out of the way really quickly here because I wish I cared. The one thing that has come out of the I don't want to say the the uh, empty arena era because it's not anymore. But the one thing that has come out of this COVID era of wrestling is we've had the cinematic matches. Um, reasonably, everybody liked the Boneyard match for what it was. Uh, most people agree that, from a storytelling point of view, the uh, the Fire Firefly Funhouse was was great. the The money up the roof thing was great. Even in AEW, they had the Stadium Stampede. Stadium Stampede, as much as I take the piss out of AEW, Stadium Stampede was a lot of fun. Um, people are more mixed on it, but I really liked One Last Beat. So when they said they're going to do a backlot brawl with Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream, I should be excited about that because, again, much like the, the Fight Pit match lent us back to the days of the Lion's Den, this lends us back to uh, Roddy Piper and, uh, and Goldust in the Hollywood backlot brawl. Now, it's not going to be the same, obviously. It's all been pre-filmed, and it is another cinematic thing. And for the cinematic wrestling... It's not it's not all going to hit every time, but when they, they say they're doing a cinematic thing or we hear they're pre-taping this cinematic thing, it does get my attention, and it is, as I say, a unique part of the show. I just really wish I cared, because Adam Cole is better. Adam Cole, I have compared to Shawn Michaels. Adam Cole, I have compared to CM Punk. He is making an amalgam of CM Punk and Shawn Michaels, and that's what Adam Cole is for NXT. I never, 
And this is not because I don't want to see him go to AEW, which is also true. I never want to see him leave this brand. He should be one of the guys. Tommaso Ciampa, not too long ago, said that he would never leave NXT. If they asked him to leave NXT, then he would probably retire. Now, he's gone back on that recently, but I hope he does stay in NXT for the same reasons. There are certain people, and even Johnny Gargano when he's a babyface, that feel like they belong on this brand. There's no such thing as belonging on Raw, belonging on SmackDown. They're trying with all the with all the wrestlers, wrestlers on SmackDown and the big names on Raw, and they're trying to give it a unique feel. There are definitely people, and uh, they belong on this brand. That's just my opinion. I'm not telling you guys what to think. Velveteen Dream, there's really no reason for him to do this. He came back and feuded with Roderick Strong and put, you know, what's-her-face on his tights, on the crotch, ha-ha-ha, super subtle, it wasn't. Uh, and, you know, he went through an entire cage match with somebody else because he was going to get his hands on Adam Cole. I gave them credit for that at the time, so I'm going to probably come across like a hypocrite here. I gave them credit for that at the time. I thought it was new. I thought it was different. I thought it was a big, like, like baby faces shouldn't be the ones doing the swerving, should they? But um, it was a good swerve at the time. And then the match just wasn't great, and then it was marred by some of the stuff that uh, Patrick Clark has apparently done in his real life. Now, I'm not saying that whether it's true or false. I am saying that other people in this company, specifically from NXT, have been completely divorced from the company for a lot less for stuff that was proven false. So he, he had some accusations levied to him, and I'm not here to debate the accusations because I don't know that they're true or not but he under the weight of those allegations still had a world title shot and make no mistake in NXT if you are part of the NXT brand the NXT title is your world title it's your world championship it's your equivalent of the universal title etc except it actually means something um, I and I find that disgusting I absolutely do I really it's a bummer, because there are points at which I like Velveteen Dream's shtick, and there are points where it falls off, and any wrestler can have that, but if you're falling off, falling off, falling off, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care, and then I hear something that tells me, hey, you never really belonged there in the first place, I can't get involved, and especially when he's up against somebody, he's supposed to be the big star, the, the spotlight guy with the snap that's just obnoxious now, and he's going up against somebody that naturally captures the spotlight so much more in Adam Cole. It's just offensive. I want better for Adam Cole. I want better for whatever this backlot brawl stipulation is going to be. I hope to Christ Velveteen Dream does not win. I'm picking Adam Cole, and that's just the way it's going to be. Keith Lee versus Johnny Gargano. Now, dinner with the Garganos. Insufferable prick nerd dork heels Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae are fucking great. Of course, a little pipsqueak like John, like this current snivelly version of Johnny Gargano is going to try and get his title off of the big bruiser bear of a man in uh, in Keith Lee. I There's two ways that this is going to go. Either Johnny Gargano is going to pull something really obvious out in the last in the last minute. It's going to be like this past Wednesday when he did the thing with the keys. And the thing with the keys I thought was brilliant because you made the guy fight fight in his street clothes. You should have assumed that he had anything in his pockets at the time because he looked like he just arrived at the arena. So the keys thing was a nice neat little spot. It wasn't just a convenient thing that was hidden under the ring somewhere. You made him fight in his street clothes. He had his keys in his pocket. He used his keys. By the way, you're an idiot. Now, Keith Lee is either going to throw Johnny Gargano into the metaphorical third row, or Johnny Gargano is going to pull out a sneaky win here, and he's going to get to go home, and he's going to go get to see his dog that he's put on Instagram with a little mini North American championship, and they are, in fact, going to be twins, and that's going to be great. And then him and Candice LeRae are going to be insufferable. Candice LeRae will get herself a title shot and fall a little bit short, and it'll be fine. Um, all that aside, I'm ecstatic to see Keith Lee on pay-per-view fighting somebody other than Dominic Dijakovic. I really, really am. Um, Johnny Gargano, even even in the current role that he's in now, right now, which not everybody knows, which not everybody likes, rather, he's going to make Keith Lee, who already looks like a million bucks, look like a hundred million bucks. Even if he loses. Because if he loses, it's going to be such a 
sneaky, underhanded, eye-rolling groan of a, of a victory because you're going to groan at how it happened and then you're going to groan and be like, oh, fuck, that guy's going to have a microphone next week. And it's going to be really good. Keith Lee, um, I like the fact that for this angle to work, the Gargano couple angle, they had to sort of turn around and acknowledge the Keith Lee and Mia Yim are a thing, which is, which is fine. They're doing the Yim it list thing and they're treating that like it's a brand new thing, even though it's been a social media thing forever. I think the match is going to be good. Uh, honestly, I think Keith Lee's going to obliterate Johnny Gargano, but the really, really bad part of my brain, the part that likes to sort of sit there and roll my eyes at really bad, intentionally bad promos, wants Gargano to win, not because I don't like Keith Lee, but because I want to see what Gargano does with it. So I'm picking the baby faces in the six woman tag. I'm picking Adam Cole. I'm picking Keith Lee, even though I don't want to. Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley, Io Shirai. Now, Charlotte's winning. Let's get that out of the way right now. I'll tell you why. Um, Charlotte's only going to lose once. And, um, and I'm sort of borrowing this from a video that I saw yesterday from Adam Cleary, but it does ring true. Charlotte Flair is not an NXT superstar. She is allowed in NXT because Charlotte Flair from Raw managed to win the NXT Women's Championship. So theoretically, she's not a transplant like Finn Balor was, Finn Balor, who we're going to talk about later on. She is there because she has a title. That title acts as her ticket to be on the show. Don't ask me how she's also able to be on SmackDown. We don't need to talk about that right now. Um, but theoretically, the minute she loses that title, she's going to be off NXT. And she is doing things in NXT right now. Maybe not necessarily every week, maybe not necessarily always in a match, but she's she's doing things, and she is an agitator. It's funny because she's the outsider, she's, she's, the, uh, she's the unwanted foreign element in a division that she helped create. Legitimate, I'm not, and I'm not saying that in the way that she cuts a promo being like, you, you guys are all here because of me, I made this place. But legitimately, how much of the initial growing stages of the NXT women's division when NXT started and the women's division started and we all thought, holy shit, WWE is actually doing something with women's wrestling. How much of that was, well, it was Paige and Emma and then Natty for a bit and then the Four Horsewomen. Charlotte was a big part of that. I mean, yeah, in the early days we had Bret Hart in there, we had Ric Flair in there, we had to remind everybody who everybody's family was. But Charlotte was a big part of that. So the fact that they've got her now in this villainous role, and the best way to make her a villain is to remind you constantly that she's a raw superstar stepping on the, on the NXT soil. And that's really good, because that's not the cheesy forced stuff that they do at Survivor Series. Oh, we're doing brand warfare. No, it's a way for the NXT fans to look at Charlotte Flair and be like, that belt doesn't belong to you. And the person who takes that off of her is going to be a huge moment. But in the meantime, I I know people hate this because they so, so, so badly want to be able to say it about Sasha Banks. Look at any woman on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and you count down their top five matches of their own career, guarantee you Charlotte's in at least two of them. Charlotte is the wrestler. Even if you don't like her, she has everybody's best match. She's going to work with people in NXT. She tag teamed with Chelsea Green, which led to Chelsea Green uh, breaking off her working relationship with Robert Stone because Chelsea Green, in one night of standing in the same corner as Charlotte Flair, looked just that much better. And it works. Because as much as you hate her, you know she's got the credit to back up the way WWE pushes her. They overpush her. Of course they do. But they overpush her because they know she can do it. I'm not particularly a fan of Charlotte Flair, the character, the wrestler, whatever you want to say. But I acknowledge that, as I said a minute ago, almost everybody in the company has their best matches with Charlotte Flair. Sasha Banks did. Bailey did. Becky did. Ronda Rousey did. She got a decent match out of Nia Jax. She had great matches with Asuka. She had a great match with Rhea Ripley relative newcomer to the main roster of NXT, Rhea Ripley, at WrestleMania. Now, that was a weird WrestleMania with no crowd and the conditions were not ideal, but they still had a great match. 
So she's going to do that, or they're going to have her do that as long as she can. And whoever wins that is going to be a winner on a couple of levels. They're going to be able to say that they beat Charlotte Flair. They're going to be able to say they got the NXT Championship back to the brand, back where it belongs. And they're going to be the star in the division that made NXT say, okay, we don't need Charlotte Flair anymore, let's put her back on Raw. That is a lot. And what you're not going to get is a meaningful win like that in a triple threat match. Now, I love Rhea Ripley. You guys know for the longest time, since the second May Young Classic, since the inauguration of the women's division of NXT UK, I looked at her and I looked at Tony Storm. Where the fuck is Tony Storm? I don't know. But I looked at the two of them and I said, fucking star. Rhea Ripley is great. Rhea Ripley, I truly do believe the first show they have, the first pay-per-view they have with an actual crowd, Ripley's getting that belt back. And it'll be, it'll be a nice way to, to bring her back. It'll be a nice way to bring the crowd back. It'll be a nice way to celebrate the fact that we're not all trapped in our own houses anymore. And that's what that's going to be. Io Shirai, as I say, there's a couple different things going on there. She's a really intriguing character. She's kind of a tweener, although Rhea Ripley's also kind of a tweener. At this point, she's, she's got an enigmatic, I can speak, I swear, element to herself. She's a really interesting performer to watch in the ring. But up against... The, the clout of Charlotte Flair and the current rising star of Rhea Ripley, you look at this match, and even if you didn't have the logic going into this match, you know Io Shirai's not going to win this match. You know she's probably going to be the one to eat the pin in this match, and that's only reinforced, unfortunately, by the rumors that she's moving up to another, another brand. So Charlotte's going to win, people are going to cry about it, they're not going to get why it happened, and that's fine, I understand. But... She's going to win, and she's going to stay in NXT, and she's going to get you to keep hating her so that you love everybody she fights. Sorry. You love everybody that she's fighting with, which means she's done her job, and you won't like it, but you will feel it. Moving on. Finn Balor versus Damian Priest is awesome, because I like, I like Damian Priest. It, it's, you know, pseudo goth adjacent characters it's it's the cheesiness of you know the big invisible bow and arrow as he sets his light on his uh, name on fire in his entrance and he's getting to be to do sort of an old lion young lion match with a guy like Finn Balor now Finn Balor on the other hand is in a really I wouldn't want to be a writer okay I wouldn't want to be a writer in WWE for a lot of reasons but I wouldn't want to be a writer writing my way around this because before the uh, current global health situation came along and bit us all in the ass, they were setting up uh, Balor versus Walter. Now, Walter, even though he was defused a lot last year at Survivor Series when he was the first one eliminated, which was fucking dumb, uh, Walter is still an absolute steamroller. So to have Balor go into a fight with him, you have to at least create the illusion that Balor is also indestructible. If he was still a babyface... Fully, I would say you have the demon taking on Walter. I don't know where the where the title comes into that mix, but it's it's another story we're obviously going to talk about another day. But that is still on the back burner. Normally, I would say this is a great opportunity to put over somebody like Damian Priest who hasn't really really had a huge moment yet. Normally, I would say that a loss to Balor at this point in time, considering the way considering the weight he holds in the hearts and minds of most of the fans, especially the NXT fans specifically, I would say he could take this loss to Damian Priest, put him over, maybe have some scheming means because Damian Priest is the heel in the situation, and it would and it would run off his back, like like water off a duck's back, that old expression. If if it wasn't for Cameron Grimes. Now, I'm not just saying this because I can't stand Cameron Grimes, but Cameron Grimes is doing sort of the Chris Jericho thing right now, where he's got one, he's, he had one good night, and he's, every promo he has, every person he faces from now on, he's going to bring up the fact that he got a win over Finn Balor. It wasn't even clean, you know, Damian Priest was involved, etc., but he is bragging about beating Finn Balor. Now, considering the fact that I don't hold Cameron Grimes in very high regard, Balor could have taken that loss, we would have obviously accepted that it was under scheming means, and we would all go on. And he could go on and, and lose to Damian Priest and wouldn't lose too much face. But, with Grimes doing the Jericho thing and bragging about it every week, you've got somebody in your ear every week saying, I beat him. I beat him. I haven't been here that long, and he's been a former champion, but, you know, I beat him. Balor lost. 
Balor lost is is what that does in your head. Now to go on to a pay-per-view stage and lose to Damian Priest while that's also happening, then you start building Balor lost, Balor lost, Balor lost, Balor lost in his head. Because as much as I, w I would love Damian Priest to get the win here, he's a mid-carder. Cameron Grimes is an annoying lower mid-carder in my personal opinion. Now if all you have rattling around in your head is that Balor lost to these two twits, when he does go on to face Walter, that looks like a death sentence. And I don't want that to look like a death sentence. I want to believe that Finn Balor is going to stand, to maybe not maybe not nose to nose because of the size difference, but definitely toe to toe with Walter. So I would love to say that Damian Priest wins this. I really would because I like him and I think he could use a moment like this, but I don't think Finn Balor could take those two those two uh, those two falls back to back if they ever want to get back around to the Walter thing. Now, that being said, Damian Priest could lose to Finn Balor if it's by interference. Now, we don't have Walter right now. We don't have Walter because of the ongoing global situation. He's stuck home and whatever, but he does have representation. And if the reason that Imperium, specifically Marcel Barthel and Fabian Eichner, are not defending their titles on this particular night is because they're going to be involved elsewhere. They're going to interfere on behalf of Damian Priest to get Balor the loss, to send a message from their boss, from the Ring Granal. Um, that's a cool story because then everybody wins. You remind everybody that that feud is still happening. You give Balor a reason that he lost and you still give Damian Priest a win that he can brag about to a certain extent and go the Grimes route that way because then we know these two guys that are bragging about beating Balor both did it through scheming means and did not do it uh, you know fair straight up one-on-one -on -one. they needed a lot of help to get that win Balor is gonna go in to a story with Walter eventually he'll probably pick off the members of Imperium before that match ever actually takes place so that when he faces Walter at whatever pay-per-view be it an in your house be it a takeover be it a world's collide that he will whittle it down to just him because all the previous stories have been you lost because of the numbers game um, realistically if the match is clean with no interference Balor wins if we get the interference from Imperium, possibly a no contest or possibly Damian Priest getting a win that he could use, it, it won't hurt my feelings either. That's all. I'm really looking forward to it though, because as we say, uh, Damian Priest sort of has that like pseudo goth adjacent thing to him, and Balor, even when he's not being the demon, still sort of evil ish. Rockstar douchebag Finn Balor is a thing. Anyways, and. What I perceive to be, it won't be, the title match will be the main event, but what I perceive to be the main event of what's intriguing, I guess, is Tommaso Ciampa versus the TakeOver debut of Karrion Cross. And Jesus Christ, do they already like Karrion Cross? What do I have to say other than I think Ciampa's going to get murdered? Ciampa is, again, much like Adam Cole one of those guys that, not necessarily from a babyface point of view, but if you look at the DNA of NXT, the DNA of NXT is your Balors, your Chompas, your Garganos, your Adam Coles, uh, some other people that have obviously moved on. Not only is Tommaso Ciampa a scary individual in his own right, but he is one of those... He's an icon, uh, but not in the way that, like, Sting or Undertaker or whatever, like, legends past their time are. He is a current icon. If you open up your computer and you want to open up the NXT file, the, NX the icon to open the NXT file might be Tommaso Ciampa's face. If you want to make a statement not only of, look at this badass that I just beat, but hey, NXT, you're all on notice, you come in and you destroy Tommaso Ciampa. Now... I love the fact that there is such, there is a subtle build in this that I think they're not, I don't think they're addressing very well on the show, and I don't think anybody's talking about after the fact. They ha he hasn't been around long enough for this to be a really, really, really personal feud, but yet it is a really, really, really personal feud, because the longest standing rivalry in NXT ended 
at one final beat, and Karrion Cross took advantage of the wounded, broken, defeated Tommaso Ciampa right after one last beat. He took him at his weakest moment. He took him in the aftermath of the longest standing rivalry in NXT. Basically, him getting one final fuck over by Johnny Gargano handed Karrion Cross Tommaso Ciampa. So in that way, there is such a artificial person, person, personalness, I guess. Um, and that could really, really be played on. Uh, he could be seen. I mean, there's obviously a lot of imagery at his entrance and in the, the glitch videos and all that sort of thing of the of the birds of prey and all that sort of thing. Not a Harley Quinn reference, but it should be. Um, but he literally did come in after the war was over, after one last beat had beaten. Yes, I just said that, and di and did literally pick the bones of Tommaso Ciampa. Now, if that doesn't make it instantly personal I don't know what does and then they came they brought him on TV and they had him chuck around I'm gonna steal a phrase here they had him chuck around a big dude like Bronson Reed like an empty tracksuit that that was a flex he didn't chuck around Cameron Grimes because Cameron Grimes ran away Cameron Grimes was a useless little bitch he came in and did that same Doomsday Saido that he's been doing to all the little tiny jobbers, because that's what we do in the little tiny jobber matches, and said, oh yeah, by the way, I can do this to a big dude too, and you're not exactly a big dude. The promo that he did the, the week before on the screen, where you didn't see his whole face, all you saw was like this right, right here, just on the eyes, and it was just, it was so different, and the, the amount of detail they've put into, you know, his entrance and his presentation and the quick, sudden scariness of Karrion Cross is going to be absolutely amazing. Now, I am a huge fan of Tommaso Ciampa. Nine times out of ten, I want Tommaso Ciampa to, to be the guy that earns those psycho killer chants. But at this point in time, I, oh, I kind of want Karrion Cross to come in and murder him. I really, really do. Um... I mean, he has to as well, right? Like, all the presentation that they've given him up to this point, if he goes in there for 20, 20, 20 minutes, 50-50, with a guy who both in real life and in storyline has so many neck injuries, and his main thing is a thing that drops you on your head, and you go 50-50 for 20 minutes, that's not an impressive debut. He has to kill Tommaso Ciampa. He would have to kill whoever this was. If we had pure Snow White babyface Johnny Gargano at this point, he would be in there neutering Johnny Gargano like a fluffy little bunny. But we have heel jackass Gargano instead who's pissing off Keith Lee. So we get Tommaso Ciampa, who is like old, pissed off, cranky sort of babyface, but at the same time he can get away with doing some devious shit. I would not be surprised if between now and Sunday this became a notice qualification match. I also look quite forward to seeing Scarlet because she's fucking hot. Anyways, uh, realistically speaking, with the amount that I care about the matches on this card, as I say, this could be the main event. I do not give a flying fuck about Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream. And go back, you don't even have to go back a year, go back six months and imagine me saying that back then, but I'm saying it now, it, it shouldn't be. The, the title matches are relatively predictable. Um, the whole idea of a six-person tag, like I say, on a takeover, it, it doesn't quite fit the mold, but that brings me back to what I said at the very beginning of this video. If we are developing a, a stature, if we are developing a B pay-per-view stature for NXT, you can have a card like this that is missing a few things, that maybe doesn't have the Cruiserweight Championship match on it, that maybe doesn't necessarily have the Tag Team title matches on, but you have two marquee matches, like Balor and Priest, Ciampa and Cross, um, this showcase for the women's division undercard, which, I mean, I'm sorry, yes, AEW has tag team wrestling, but I will say it now, and I will say it till it's not true anymore. The women's division in NXT is a women's division you can beat any other show over the head with. Hell, depending on the night, that six-woman could main event a show. Not this show, because there's, there's stuff I want to see on here more. But that could, that match could, with the talent involved, could main event a show. Maybe main event a B pay-per-view. Maybe not. Um... There's enough other good shit on here 
the stuff that's missing. Does I hope nothing gets bumped to the pre-show. I hope we go back to the days where NXT didn't really have pre-show matches. They just had, you know, Pat McAfee in his weird shorts throwing two uh, packages and videos and interviews and crap like that. I... It, it really is a bummer. The, the more I look at it, the more I just... It's on my screen here. The Adam Cole thing, the Velveteen Dream thing, they tried so hard to make me care on Wednesday, too. And I don't and I don't say that mockingly, because WWE does do a whole lot of really good video packaging and hype and getting other people... The, with NXT, with it being still seen somewhat as a minor brand, other stars on other brands don't mind talking about it and putting it up. And when you had Pat McAfee and, and uh, what's his name, Rosenberg and the other the other radio personality that I can't remember, but then you had Drew McIntyre talking about the NXT Championship and what it meant, and it lent credence to it, and they put a lot of time into it, and, you know, I really wish I cared. I care about the NXT Championship match. And that, that, the blame for that, the blame for that, that deceleration in my enthusiasm falls squarely on the shoulders of the Velveteen Dream. I'm looking for Cross to kill it. I'm looking for Priest to kill it. The ladies in the title match are going to kill it. Keith Lee and Johnny Gargano is either going to be awesome or hilarious. The, the six-woman tag is going to be kinetic because, like I say, six women that are scraping just the underside of that main event and I could do without the match that is for the NXT Championship. That's really bad. The rest of this card is really, really good. Here's to NXT potentially inventing a separate category of B pay-per-views. I think it's going to be all for the good. Here's to me throwing the gimmick hat back on after a really labored metaphor at the beginning of this video. I really hope you guys are doing okay. Stay happy, healthy, sane, smart, secure, safe. That's what I want for all of you guys. I hope you guys have enjoyed this video. Typically, I do these videos with somebody else. I've been doing it by myself this time. I hope it's all right. I hope you've stuck with me. I don't even know exactly what time I'm going to put this video up, if I'm, if I'm completely honest with you. But uh, put it down in the box below, I guess. Um, I'll put this up sometime Saturday, and the show's on Sunday. Still 24 hours to tell me what you think is going to happen on this show. Share your thoughts in the chat if you're watching this live. Find me on a podcast platform if you'd rather do that, Spaz Phoenix Podcast. If you didn't catch it live, put it down in the comment section below. You guys know the drill. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I'll talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, I'm tagging out. See you guys on Twitter on Sunday. Don't try to come